ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nobody is Shiftier, because in fact, nobody is shiftier than the shifty hippo. So, guys, I know that recently I've been trying to give you a little story to open up, and what I went with last week was dog sitting, right? I got to admit, the dogs, they, they left on Sunday. They went back home with their mom and dad, and I have been a little bit sad since. I really love having dogs here. I know that it means that I have to get up the second that my alarm goes off and I have to already be excited. Like I get out of bed and I'm like, oh, yeah, guys, it's time. It's time. Let's head down the stairs. We're going to do breakfast. Like I, I am ridiculous with these dogs. It, it's like not even my general personality, but like dogs make me a better person, a happier person. And now that they're gone, I'm like, well, shit. That was my thing. <laughs> That's what I'm good at. I'm good at making dogs smile. So the puppies are gone. And although I would like to say like now I'm recovered, I've slept. Problem is, is that I've been working every day since. And today is my first day off. I went to bed around two and Michelle woke me up just after nine for she always this is adorable. My wife does this every day. She, she comes in if I'm sleeping later than her, and then I do it most days to her when she's asleep. But just come in, grab a smooch before work, and uh, yeah, it's cute. So I woke up to that, and then I was like, oh, I am now going to get up. I can't go back to bed. It just hit me that way. Wasn't going to fall back asleep. So I got seven hours, but I felt like I needed one of those good like nine, ten hour sleeps. But here's the thing. I got nine days. I, I, I work for the next five. I'm off two, or I guess eight days then. I got five days that I have to work. I'm off for two days. I work one day, and then I'm off nine days. Vacation time, baby. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here. I'm still going to be recording. Plus, we got some fun stuff that I'm going to tell you about at the end of this episode for the next two weeks. So... That's that's how the life of the Shifty Hippo is right now. But now it's time to dive into sports. We're going to start with the NBA, which has still been incredibly slow, but I have gathered a theory here, and I'm not the first one to come up with it. But I have heard around circles that are close to the Miami organization. Miami at this point must be waiting for KD to be moved, and I hear that they're waiting for all the moves. They're waiting for KD, Donovan Mitchell, um, that whoever else, oh, and Kyrie, they're waiting for all those moves to take place before they make action towards anything. I think as soon as KD moves, that's when Miami starts trying to make moves because honestly, I think that they're holding out there just in the attempt that maybe they still get KD. And honestly, I don't blame them for that because I think that they have a solid chance to land him still, considering that I don't think he's going to be in Brooklyn. Where's he going to be? I, Miami seems like as good a place as any. So I think Miami hasn't given up hope there, but I think that as soon as KD moves, they're already pulling triggers on things, whether it be a Donovan Mitchell deal, whether it be a deal that brings in, say, for example, a Jay Crowder, it could be a whole bunch of different guys. Uh, Miami works a little bit mysteriously this way, but I know that they got guys on the back burner that if even if they get none of these stars, that they'll be able to grab some role players and some pieces that are going to help them contribute to having, if not the same season they had last year, a better one. Now, the other thing that I keep hearing 
well, I mean, if Miami returns and it's just the same roster again, minus PJ Tucker, how good are they? Well, look, PJ Tucker matters. He does. He was their starting four. But here's something to keep in mind, even if they're not even able to add just another guy, even if they can't get that Jay Crowder, even if they can't get, you know, I know Igudala is not going to be there next year, but let, let's just pretend that Igudala is back on the table. If they're not able to land one of those guys, think of it this way. They were within one Jimmy Butler three-pointer of going to the NBA Finals. They were that close. And granted, yes, you could still make the arguments. Yes, there was going to be time left. There was like 18 seconds. So Boston still could have won that game. Sure. I'm not going to even tell you you're wrong. But that's how close Miami was to making it to the finals last year. And honestly, I don't know that they're a worse matchup to Golden State than Boston was. Boston pushed them six. So what does this team look like if they come back the same next year? Well, keep in mind, during the Celtic series there in the Eastern Conference Championship, Tyler Hero was hurt, played very little. Kyle Lowry, they, I mean, he looked fine, but we knew that he was playing hurt. Granted, I don't know that Kyle Lowry's significantly better if he's 100% versus whatever he was, 80. I, I don't know what he would call himself, but he, he looked like he was moving just fine to me. I don't know that Kyle Lowry looks any different. But Tyler Hero is a massive part of that offense. He was a 20 points a game guy, and he basically wasn't there for that series. That makes a huge difference. I mean, we're talking about being that close to beating Boston in the Eastern Conference Championship without the guy that's putting up 20 points a game. That's big. I think that if Miami runs this back with it, with with exactly they have, I know I worded that a little bit strange. Don't worry over me. I'm just going to keep doing this, huh? Don't worry about me tripping over my words. We're going to get this down. It might take a little bit. Miami Heat get me riled up. I'm a little bit emotional. But I think that Miami coming back with a healthy Tyler Hero and a healthy Kyle Lowry, I think that right there is already a team that's contending for a championship in the East. Now, Boston's obviously going to be there, and they got better by adding Malcolm Brogdon. That makes the Boston Celtics a better team, makes them a better roster, gives them more team chemistry, gives you a guy that can bring the ball up the court more. I think that Boston landed the deal in the Eastern Conference. And then you still have Milwaukee out there. Keep in mind, if Chris Middleton's not hurt, I don't know that they even see Boston in the Eastern Conference Championship. I think we're talking about Milwaukee probably winning back-to-back finals. The East is going to be interesting next year, but I don't think that Miami fans should freak out by not being able to overcome not being able to grab a star in the offseason. I know that Miami's first thing is like, hey, we didn't win. Who can we get? Who's the whale? Well, hey, if you miss out on the whales, guess what? You you got some big fish. I'm telling you right now, when you think about it, Tyler Hero, another year in the league, probably going to be a little bit better. I don't know that we're going to see anything more out of Bam. I, I think Bam Adebayo is probably at his, he's now in his prime. I, I don't think that we're going to see anything different. Uh, maybe he develops a little bit of a better mid-range jumper, but I, I don't think that we see a whole ton more out of Bam. Caleb Martin, I I mean, he's not the youngest guy in the world, but he never really played. So uh, I have no reason to believe that he can't have some growth. Max Drews, he can grow. Uh, Max Drews kept the end of the series after, like during game six. Max Drews actually 
really helped out Miami in that series. I think that Max Drews can be a legitimately great... Uh, well, hold up, let me re- reword. Max Drews can be a legitimately very good shooting guard for that team. He's defensively gifted, and offensively, he can make shots. If he can make shots more consistently, he becomes a very deadly uh, two-guard. I think that Max Drews is a very underrated player for that team right now. And if Tyler Hero can formulate any sense of defense and just more consistent offensively, I think the Miami is right there. They don't need to grab more guys. They have the guys. The guys just need to be in the system for a hair longer. I think they're going to be okay. Granted, if I'm them, yes, I still want Kevin Durant. Yes, I still want Donovan Mitchell. Absolutely. I think if you add Donovan Mitchell to this team, it's already like they're right up there with everybody. And granted, I think they are even without him. But I think the upgrade from Kyle Lowry to Donovan Mitchell would be not astronomical, but it would be very noticeable. You wouldn't need a telescope. Let's put it that way. We're going to move over to the NFL after a little sip of the beer. You know, there's nothing better during a nobody is shiftier than taking a break for a beer. Clearly, I struggled with segment one. I talked about the NBA, and I couldn't even figure out how to talk about Tyler Hero. That's how you drink a beer. All right, NFL. Deshaun Watson suspended 11 games. That's what just came out as of hour and a half ago, something around those lines. So this brings us to what is Cleveland currently? Okay. We thought if Deshaun got six games, right, they would just stick it out with Jacoby Brissett, maybe end up even being two and four. But you bring Deshaun Watson back in, there was a lot of uh, really hope more than anything else by Cleveland fans that can still be Cleveland fans that Deshaun Watson was going to come in and save the day. Keep in mind, the guy hasn't thrown a football in an actual game in a very long time. He didn't look great in his first preseason game either, which, I mean, that's to be expected. I like I I don't think that as as much as everybody wants to shit on Deshaun and I understand it and I don't blame you for doing it. It does he's not now just a shit quarterback. He's a guy that hasn't thrown a football in a game in years. So Deshaun Watson coming back here, even if it was a six game, he wasn't gonna ride you to the championship that year. It just wasn't gonna happen. Him getting eleven games, that now puts Cleveland in a very awkward predicament. If this is to stand, by the way, because I'm sure an appeal will be coming. But let's just say it's going to stay 11. Well, now you have Jacoby Brissett for 11 games. Okay, maybe you go four. I want to even lean to like five and six, but the AFC is tough. Maybe four and seven. Well, if you're already at four and seven, you put Deshaun Watson in, then you let him get some of the rust off and you just finish out the year. But let's just say, for example, this team ends up being six and five. Well, now there's going to be a lot of clamoring from the Cleveland fanship to put into Sean Watson, who's probably going to tank the rest of your season, not because he wants to, but because he hasn't played in a football game in a really long time. <laughs> Everybody's under the assumption you throw Deshaun Watson in. It's like if you just like put him in on a game of Madden real quick and he's just going to come in there and he's going to be a 93 overall quarterback. It doesn't work that way. That not not in the real football league. That's not how that goes. He's gonna be rusty when he gets in there. Keep in mind too, he just struggled in a preseason game where it's damn near half speed. 
it's it's going to be tough for him. So this opens up a conversation of do the Browns try to go grab Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody else? But I, I think Jimmy G is the main name that has been spoken of, right? Because they have a very good roster. They do have a Super Bowl roster. They really do. And it's just the quarterback position where Baker Mayfield wasn't even quite enough to get him there. Jacoby Brissett's no better than Baker Mayfield. I would make an argument that he's not only worse, but a, a decent bit worse. I think that getting Jimmy G, though, creates a lot of problems in the locker room because here's what happens. Jimmy G gets over there. Let's say they start off and they're eight and three, and then Deshaun Watson is cleared to play. Well, now what? You're going to want to ride it out with Jimmy G because you've been you've been on a roll. You've been playing well. But we just spent all this money to get this quarterback, and we we don't want to sit him. What if Jimmy G comes out and has a terrible 12th game of the year? Has one of those games where he throws for like 117 yards. I've seen him do it. It happens. Now is there a clamoring for Deshaun Watson? Now what do you do with Jimmy G at the end of the season? You already put all this into Deshaun Watson. What what are, what are you going to do with Jimmy? You, you just going to trade him again? I don't see where this move works. I think you got to hold it out with Brissett. And I think it actually works out perfect for this one season. You have Brissett there. You get to the point where Deshaun is cleared to play. He comes back. He works the rust off. And then you worry about next year. I think that's the only legitimate option. Otherwise, I think you're looking at a huge organizational problem. And because of that, I almost think that Cleveland's going to do it because that's what the Cleveland Browns have done the entirety of the time that they have been in the league, at least from their current uh, their their current stay from, what was it, 2000, 1999, something like that. They got reinstated into the league. I say reinstated like they were kicked out of the league. They had just at one point moved, and then they brought back the Cleveland Browns. So some of you kids might not remember that. When I was a kid, there were no Cleveland Browns. So moving from Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns, we're going to head over to Seattle, where obviously as a Seahawk fan, I want to talk a little bit of Seahawks football. So I don't really watch the preseason, and especially this season, I am even less interested because I know that my team's not going to be any good, regardless of pretty much anything. So I know that Braden, by the way, from Noble Sports, also part of breaking down the tape media here, I know that he is way more optimistic than I am. He thinks they're going to be just outside of the playoffs, and I, I don't see it. And it's not to take a shot at Braden. I just, me and him are both Seahawks fans, and we see this completely differently. He sees us as like an optimistic story that might be close to the playoffs. I see us as an optimistic story that is definitely outside the playoffs. Like we're talking, once again, absolutely top 10 draft pick. Uh, probably going to be towards the top five. I, I would aim as far as to say we might get third or fourth. So that's that's more so what I'm seeing. And if you couldn't tell, I'm also kind of rooting for it at this point. But I was able to, uh, last night actually, check out the end of the third and the whole fourth quarter of our preseason game against Pittsburgh because, well, Michelle was on her way home and I needed something to watch. And I happened to put on Hulu and there was the Seahawks-Steelers game. So I said, ah, okay, I'll check out what the guys are looking like. Um, I think the optimism's relatively, 
relevant here. I, I think that there is reason to have it, although not for the idea that we're going to have a very good season. Just as I'm watching these guys play, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's there's some good things here. So first off, Charles Cross, no pressures allowed. Yes, I know it's preseason, but that is the first time even in a preseason game that I haven't seen a left tackle give up something. Granted, Dwayne Brown did do very well for us for a few years there, but it's been a while. Like, that that was just gold. I don't care that that was preseason. That is the one time I will be hypocrite on preseason and say that was exciting. Boye Mafe had two sacks. I honestly, I'm, I'm not in on that still. With that said, he looks bigger than he did when he got drafted. Now, granted, that could just be perception, but I did notice that he looked larger than I seem to remember him looking. So maybe there's been a physical growth, a change of sorts, something that's going to promote that he can be somebody that's going to get after a quarterback, but I personally just do not see it. Uh, Just judging by the idea that he was not able to make things work when it was against top-tier college offenses. Uh, offensive lines I just don't see where it's going to come from because this is all the top tier offensive lines in college that are playing here at the NFL level and granted a I don't really know how good Pittsburgh offensive line is I just don't off the top of my head like if you ask me how good is Pittsburgh's offensive line I'd be like I think it's good I think I mean like Ben was able to throw the ball a lot last year and he doesn't move anymore so I think they're good but I, I honestly don't know Secondarily, I don't know how many of those guys were starters. So I'm not putting any real faith into that. And uh, Jimmy, I I will call out Jimmy Pibbs, also part of breaking down the tape media. And I can tell this to your face too, Jimmy. I'm not just doing this behind your back. But you you decided to to mention in our little group chat, ah, is it time I take a victory lap on Boye Mafe, two sacks? Not after one preseason game, sir. That is all I'm saying. I will grant you a victory lap if he comes out here and gets eight and a half sacks this year and 10 plus sacks somewhere else in the next three years. I will give you that kind of time frame for it because I just don't see that shit happening. But I think this is a guy that's going to max out. He's going to have like one year that he has like seven sacks and that's going to be it. I I think for the most part, he's going to be a guy that gets you like three to five. And that's what he's there for is to get sacks. So all I'm saying, Jimmy, I don't think it's time for a victory lap. And I'm sure that you would agree, but you did word it that way. Damn it, Jimmy. I care about you. I love Jimmy. Uh, Steelers quarterback room, by the way, looked um, pretty solid, granted against a pretty porous Seahawk defense for what we have on the outside. We're looking at Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett, all three of them actually played really well. And I know that my defense specifically in Seattle is not the best in the league. Like we're, we're not even close. I've, I've read reports that people think we're going to be a top 10 defense. And by people, I mean, local Seattle, uh, Seattle media. They seem to think that we're going to be this awesome defense. And I just don't understand why we're, we're not that kind of good. Like we have very good linebackers. We have a very good safety and a, very good player that plays safety, but also plays kind of like a linebacker and does all sorts of other shit. Our corners, eh. our D line, eh. 
I don't have faith in either of those positions. And in today's NFL, you have to be able to get after the quarterback and you have to be able to defend the receivers. Like that's, <laughs> we, we got the positions that are really cool to have as icing on the cake. We don't have the positions that truly matter. And even though I think the linebackers are a little bit underrated in today's NFL because they do still matter, I don't foresee us having a very good defense this year once again. And I think we're going to get lit up. Now, one thing that I thought was funny is uh, Kenneth Walker just underwent surgery for a hernia. Not a sports hernia, they clarified, but a hernia. And I said immediately, well, he fits right into the locker room because we have not had a healthy running back since Marshawn Lynch. So the other piece of this is who are the rookies in Seattle that could actually impact this team this year? Here's who it's going to be, because I honestly, I think these tackles are going to have to spend a year in the NFL. I think that both Charles Cross, even though he looked promising in preseason game one, it's going to take him a year. I think Abraham Lucas, I think it's going to take him a year. He might not even be a great tackle. He might just be better than what most third round pick tackles are. And I'm okay with that because that's a starter in the NFL. Who's going to impact this team is going to be if Kenneth Walker will be healthy, I think that he can immediately come in and do this because keep this in mind, guys, running backs, very short shelf life. These guys typically come in, they play three, four great years, and then they trail off. You don't see anything more from these running backs. Like look at Ezekiel Elliott. I'm not even sure if he's still good. And I, I mean that sincerely. That's not me just doing a thing, making a hot take. I feel like Tony Pollard's better at this point. I mean, Zeke was great for a few years. Look at Todd Gurley. He looked phenomenal. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. I still, to this day, I don't know exactly what happened that made him decline that way. Obviously we make the assumption of injury, but I mean, what, what was the injury that made him go from one of the best in the league to can't even make a roster? I don't know which one it was. Cause he, I mean, he had several injuries. I, I don't know which one was the one that hindered him that much, or maybe it was a mix of all of them. Kenneth Walker III has a chance to really come in and make a statement in the first two or three seasons he's in Seattle, and hopefully he's one of these guys that will last for nine years. Doubt it. The other position that I think we really have a chance with here is our corners. Keep in mind how good Pete Carroll is at developing corners, and we have two guys that we drafted in Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen that apparently, um, I mean, from what I understand, Tariq Woolen is like a physically gifted monster as far as corners go. Pete Carroll's worked with a lot of those. I think that might work. Kobe Bryant was one of the better corners in college football last year. He just happened to play a side of Sauce Gardner. So everybody was in on Sauce, and I, I think Kobe really got overlooked there. I feel like he was a higher talent. Granted, I am not much of a college football watcher, but it seemed to me like from everything I heard, uh, specifically talking again with Jimmy, who I think I'm just going to keep mentioning because I love Jimmy. Jimmy told me that most of these balls were going towards Kobe instead of sauce because everybody was scared of sauce and Kobe still had a phenomenal season. So that tells me he's pretty NFL ready. So we're going to see what those guys can do in their opening act here in the NFL. I think that there's a real shot that we have two good corners out of this and a good running back, at least out of the gates. And then as we move on, I think the tackles are going to get better. I don't know about the kid we drafted. I, I can't even remember his name, the the uh, linebacker from Ohio State. I mean, yeah, cool. He might be good. 
the uh the wide receivers we took in the seventh round i heard they're both fast as shit um uh, sure maybe they fit in i don't know <laughs> i think our receiver room is the one room that's really good right now so we'll uh we'll, we'll see what goes on there I'm gonna move over to the jets god damn it jets like I, this was the first time i've been excited for jets football since brett Favre was over there that's how long it's been half of you probably don't even remember that i don't know if i'm talking to kids or people my age but brett Favre was a jet for a season they started out like eight and one or something like that and ended up being i think nine and seven disappointing as hell point of it being is the zach wilson injury really fucks up everything everything i was so pumped going into this year thinking okay you know what the jets they might also be a four and 13 team like my seahawks but they're gonna have those swings of oh hey look out for that team next year and I thought that they'd be more so like a like a six and eleven kind of team, maybe even seven and ten. But you would see signs of life. Zach Wilson goes down with I. It was a torn ACL, if I'm not mistaken. That sucks. Like that really sucks. You don't want to go into the season with Joe Flacco. Like, yeah, you're gonna get to see what some of the other pieces do, but it's not gonna look the same as what was Zach Wilson because Joe Flacco. Let's face it, man, he's just a statue that. He's going to be out there. He's going to throw the ball six yards and cool. Like, there's not a lot of fun there. Uh, Zach Wilson would have made this team at least interesting, if not good. So I'm disappointed with that. The other piece now is, did the Jets go for Jimmy G? And once again, I'm going to go somewhat in the same direction. Okay, you get Jimmy G. He gets you through till Zach Wilson's healthy. Now what? If you put in Zach Wilson, well... You you might ruin some of what Jimmy just built. Let's say that they're seven and five, and then Zach Wilson's cleared to come back. I don't think the Jets are that kind of team with Jimmy G, but let's just pretend. Well, you, you got to stick it out with Jimmy G, right? Because he got us here. Well, if you do that, then what are you doing to Zach Wilson, your number two draft pick last year? Well, number one draft pick for them, but number two overall. I'm pretty sure I got that right. I I don't... I just don't think that there's a right spot for Jimmy G. <laughs> like, because the, the two places that have now got quarterbacks are going to be out for a while. It's not the full season, and it's both places where when that quarterback is cleared, you need that quarterback to come take back over the offense, and Jimmy might be doing better than that quarterback but you have to, you, you can't take away the confidence of Zach Wilson. You can't take away just that you bought in to Deshaun Watson. You have to go with those guys when they're there and healthy and able to play. Jimmy G still has to find himself another spot as far as I'm concerned. I think that it has to be a team like I, I heard the Giants. And once again, Jimmy was the first person that informed me of this. And then I heard it around the NFL circles. I think that Jimmy G either needs to go to the Giants or he's going to have to wait a year or there's some unforeseen team. Maybe it's New Orleans. Maybe it's Atlanta. There's got to be somebody else that's that's going to be looking. <laughs> it's going to be funny if it's Carolina. But I I just can't foresee myself in a scenario where this happens. But here's the other piece about the Jets that I'm a little bit curious of. 
can they still find life at the end of this tunnel? And I think the answer to that is yes, because even if it's Joe Flacco until whenever Zach Wilson is cleared and healthy to play, even if it's Joe Flacco, you still get to see what the other guys do with poor quarterback play. And if that's still like a six and 11 team, you have something. Now it puts a lot more pressure on Zach Wilson when he comes back next year. Granted, I, I think he's going to play this year. It didn't sound like it was a season ender to me. It sounded like it's going to be a majority of the season ender. But even if the Jets are a decent team that's under 500 without Zach Wilson, that does put the pressure on Zach for next season. But I think it's also a real upward turn for the Jets who have been perpetually down at the top of the draft board for so long. I just, I, like, I'm rooting for it for Zach, for Hector. I want the Jets to be good. I really do. But it's going to take some time. It's going to take some things. And this is a real hiccup that you got to deal with. I got a little bit more NFL stuff here. But we're going to take another sip of the beer. Can the Chiefs offense give us anything that looks like the top tier offense that we have seen in the last five years. So Patrick Mahomes surprisingly did play the first little bit of their preseason game. I believe he played the first two drives. Uh, it looked pretty damn good. <laughs> it looks pretty damn good to me. I think the chiefs have worked all off season on how to, play a little bit more check down football because Mahomes has traditionally bombed that shit because he always had Tyreek Hill. Now that he's not there, they're going to have to play slightly a different style of offense. My one hope is that one of these kids they just drafted, or if Juju just can get it together, I guess I, I don't, I don't know what that'll happen to Juju, but if they can figure out that deep threat again, this team's not going to look much different. And keep in mind, Tyreek Hill, as great as, as great as he is, he is a ball dropper. If they can have one of these kids be somebody that can just sprint, catch the ball, touchdown, they're going to be fine. But if they don't, they're going to have to, and I think they've spent their offseason practicing this way, they're going to have to figure out how to beat you underneath. They're going to have to figure out, hey, let's play for the first down, not the touchdown right now. Let's take it 10 yards at a time till we get down near the red zone. And then we got to make good plays, good decisions. We can't just expect 80 yard touchdowns every game. I'm excited to see it, but we're really not going to have an answer till somewhere mid season. And honestly, you'll find this out next week. Well, I'm, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save this opinion because I don't want to give away what's happening next week. Time is ticking for this Dolphins offense to start. What are we going to see? Like, I'm so excited, man. The, the Dolphins, for the first time in forever, look like they have a thing. And I just hope that it is actually a thing and that this isn't smoke and mirrors. Personally, I'm not incredibly optimistic on Tua, but I think even with Tua, this should be a fun team to watch. How good they are, just remember how good the AFC is. It's okay if this team's nine and eight. It's really not that big of a deal because you have something to look at. And if it turns out, okay, we're nine and eight and two is the problem. Well, start looking around. 
I just mentioned Jimmy G to a couple different teams. If at the end of the season, Jimmy still doesn't have a home, well, maybe his new home's Miami. Tom Brady very well may still be wanting to go to Miami next year. We don't know. We never know. It's Tom Brady. He does whatever he wants. I'm just so excited for Rams Bills kicking everything off. I, I'm so pumped. What's Russell Wilson going to look like? Man, it, I, I was actually just having this conversation uh, to an extent. It was a conversation that I mostly wasn't in, and then I came in late. Braden has been all over these different chats talking Seahawks, and the idea came up of booing Russell Wilson as soon as he takes the field. Like, you, you cheer him pregame, boo him when he's on the field. I cannot do that. I have an action figure of that man sitting on my debt or my drawer desk desk of drawers what do they call that armoire my (sighs) what do they call that bureau i don't know i have one of those giant things that has a bunch of drawers on it and on top of that i have two action figures one of which is lebron james and one of which is russell wilson russell wilson is the only quarterback to win seattle a super bowl ever i'm not booing him I don't like if he came out right now and just said, if he just said, fuck Seattle. Granted, I cannot picture Russell Wilson ever saying fuck anything. But if he were to, I would still cheer him. He won me a Super Bowl. <laughs> like, I've never had another one. I, he's cool. He's good. I'm cheering him at all times, any game, any season. Doesn't matter. That's my guy. It kind of sucks. I got to cheer for him first game out of Seattle against Seattle. Like week one, Seattle plays against Russ. Russ is probably, oh my God, I'm excited to watch him cook. He's probably going to cook us for a solid 40 burger. Don't care. Don't care. I'm cheering the guy. Don't care what anybody else thinks. So uh, everybody... This time of year gets incredibly excited. They get their fantasy football teams together and breaking down the tape has fantasy football. I promised my buddy John from Jacked and Canned that I would do fantasy football with him this year and he wanted to attach on to the breaking down the tape media's own fantasy football league. So there I am. I just signed up for it, and Hector had set the date for like 48 hours from the minute that I signed up. Well, I was in there, and uh, I told everybody, I was like, hey, look, I got to work, so I'm not going to be there. I can only do it if it's around my lunchtime, and they had a plan for way earlier than I was taking lunch. So Hector asked me, what time are you taking your lunch? I'll set the draft for then. So I set the draft, for, uh, or I, I took my lunch then, and I was able to participate. Thank God, by the way, these guys went quickly. We had two minutes per pick, and I'm doing the math out, and I'm like, two minutes times six teams times 15 rounds. That does not fit in a lunch break. I honestly think this thing took 35 minutes, and I get hour lunches. I came back. Like, I had went, eaten a Lunchable, walked back like I always do every day. That's that's what I do for lunch, by the way. I just walk to the Target next door, and I buy a Lunchable. That way, I'm not, like, too full. It, It works out beautifully. So... By the time I had gotten back, draft had already ended. The only thing that was a pain in the ass is trying to uh, get the last two rounds in while I'm at the self-checkout. 
I'm like trying to figure it out. I'm like, okay, I got to scan this. I got to, okay, I got to type this shit. I need a defense. Let me scroll through. Uh, they're not anywhere near the top. Like, oh, it's a pain in the ass. But I got myself a team, guys. I know that everybody here got a team because there's only six teams. And well, obviously we're all pretty stacked, but listen to this. I got the top two quarterbacks in Vegas over-unders for touchdown passes this year. I got Josh Allen and Tom Brady as my quarterbacks. It's a two-quarterback league, by the way. Josh Allen, who was supposed to be number one overall, and Hector didn't take him. Or, yeah, I think Hector had the number one pick. Maybe it was Zach. I don't remember. I think it was Hector, though. No, you know what? Something in my head tells me it was Zach. I don't remember. Totally beside the point. I got Josh Allen, and I was able to get Tom Brady a little bit later in the draft. Round two, everything fell my way. What I said going in is I want Josh Allen and Derrick Henry. I was able to get Derrick Henry. I got Derrick Henry and Najee Harris. It's my running backs. How sweet is that? How sweet is that? Wide receiver, maybe I took a little bit more of an L. I did get Stephon Diggs, which is huge. And then I got an assortment of, uh, I got Mike Evans, who historically Tom Brady hasn't thrown the ball as much to as past quarterbacks there. Mostly, you know, Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, hey, Antonio Brown's not there. Gronk's not there. He should get some more balls. And Chris Godwin's hurt for the first part of the year, so I assume he's going to get a pretty good bet right off the bat. I got DK Metcalf, and I got Mike Williams. Pretty psyched about that. Obviously, I think DK is going to see a little bit of a decline with the different quarterback play, although I think Drew Locke will still be occasionally able to hit him over, you know, those 60-yard routes that he likes to score touchdowns on. I think I might get a few of those. I plan to keep him in my flex spots. Um, Tight end, I got Darren Waller, that monster, who, by the way, as we start seeing the fade out of the Kittles, the Zach Ertz's of uh, whatever Kelsey's got left, I'm sure Kelsey's still going to look good for a couple of years. But we're going to see some of those guys going away. I got the young guy. I got the guy that's coming for your shit. So I'm happy that I got Darren Waller. I was re- there, there were a couple of these. I know Zach absolutely bombed on the group chat. And hopefully Zach doesn't put this out before his own show. Because I know that he is ready to just give it to Hector. Like he is ready to rip him apart. But Hector grabbed like 14 guys that Zach wanted right before Zach was able to get them. I had a couple of those. Um, I remember Adam Thielen was somebody I was looking at, and I was like, he's still out there, and we're in like round 11 or something like that. I'm like, I could use another receiver. That was before I grabbed Mike Williams. I was thinking of Adam Thielen, and uh, the other one that I really wanted was Jalen Waddle, and I don't remember who grabbed Jalen Waddle, but somebody grabbed him like two picks before me, and I'm like, damn it, damn it, because I I think that with Tyreek Hill there, I think Jalen Waddle's going to actually have a pretty big outbreak season. But as somebody that hasn't played fantasy football in a decade, I'm a little bit excited. I mean, like not nearly as excited as I am to gamble on this shit, but I'm excited to take part in fantasy football. You know, it it should be something fun. I mean, I, I, for the most part, I hate fantasy football because I, I really, I like watching games and not giving a shit what any particular player is doing and just watching the game. 
and I tend to just root mostly for like quarterbacks. A lot of people do this. Like I love watching Patrick Mahomes. I love watching Josh Allen. I don't want to have to root like, okay, I'm playing against somebody that has Mahomes this week. Oh, you know what? I don't. Uh, nope. Mahomes can't have a good game. No, I don't want to watch the game that way. I want Mahomes to throw for fucking five touchdowns. That's that's the Patrick Mahomes that I like to watch. Don't take that away from me. I hate fantasy football for these reasons, but you know, I'm excited to do it. And luckily I noticed I grabbed three bucks, by the way, I grabbed Brady, Mike, or uh, Mike Evans. And I grabbed Ryan suck up at kicker. It's a two kicker league, by the way, I got Harrison Butker from the chiefs and I got Ryan suck up from the bucks figured those two teams score a lot. So probably a lot of kicker action. I don't think I'm in a bad place there because keep in mind what you want to do to get the perfect kickers you want a team that never scores in the red zone you want a team that always gets there but can't put it into the end zone and then you're just perpetually getting kicks that go through the uprights three points here three points there and your fantasy score blows up i kind of just said bleep it who scores a lot i want to go i don't know why i just bleep myself i said fuck like 14 times in this episode i said who scores a lot i want the guy that just kicks a lot regardless of if it's one point or three just give me them because I'm not relying on my kicker to win me these games. So that was the strategy we went with. Again, I am psyched at pretty much every position. Granted, I think all of us are. The only person that I think made a terrible starting pick is my buddy John from Jackton Can, because while everybody else is loaded everywhere, he's loaded with one of his quarterbacks, and then he drafted Dak. Nobody drafted Kyler Murray, by the way. Kyler Murray's still sitting out there. I don't understand why John took Dak. That one's really bothering the hell out of me. I'm like, John, this is the one, like, his team's loaded, like everybody else's, and then he's got Dak Prescott in there. I'm like, dude, he's there's still quarterbacks out there that are going to do better than Dak, fantasy-wise. Dak's a very good team leader. He's not a fantasy monster. He's doing it wrong. All right, guys, so before we get out of here, first, we're going to take a sip of the beer. Secondarily, we're going to talk about the next two weeks here for a second. Next week, it is time. I am going to give you the record for every team in the NFL for what my predictions are for each team. I will give you who the playoff teams are going to be. And I'm going to give you how they do in the playoffs and who the eventual Super Bowl champion will be. I'm not sure that I will talk anything else. I don't know that I'm going to have notes on the NBA. I don't know that I'm going to have notes on the NFL. I don't think I'm going to be breaking down much of anything except for my team by team predictions, because I have a lot to say on all 32 teams. I don't think that I have time for that unless I give you guys a three hour show, which even though I like to think that I'm coming for all those guys shit that's doing that, they take breaks. I don't, you know, I don't because I drink beer while I'm on air with you. And it's because I don't take breaks. I just do this thing straight through. If I didn't, I'd edit out me fucking up talking about the Miami heat earlier. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this isn't, this isn't hard. I can do this, but it's going to take me all show just to go through all 32 teams. So I think that's how you're going to get it next week. The week after you will get the top 10 power ranking teams going into this season, in my opinion, and also, oh, some picks. The first picks for week one of the NFL season. 
I'm going to be going through. It will probably be slightly repetitive to what I do on the Jacked and Canned Sports Roundtable. So for those of you who do listen to Jacked and Canned, I'm going to be honest, the week before the NFL season starts, unless you just want to hear me with John a little bit more, you're probably going to get a lot of the same shit, although I know that John is going to give his picks as well. So if you want to tune in for that, go for it. But if you're just saying, okay, I want to hear Colb's picks for week one, you'll be able to find it either place. Or, hell, you could do me a favor, listen to us both. If you listen to Jacked and Canned and Nobody is Shiftier, you get a gold star. Might mail you one. Maybe send an address over to, uh, well, you can send it either to jackedandcanned at gmail.com or you can go ahead and send it to, I don't remember what breaking down the tapes. Are, are they breaking down the tape at something? Are they BDD, BDTT at something? I, I don't know what they are. I have no idea what their email is. So that's unfortunate. So probably just send it to Jack and Can. That way I get my eyes on it, but I will mail you a gold star. I will physically go to a craft store, buy gold star stickers and send them to you. If you listen to both, but you have to prove to me that you listen to both. Nobody is shiftier and Jack and Canned. That's how this works. You know what? While I'm at it, I will not only send you one gold star, but I will send you two. If you also listen to breaking down the tape. And for every other affiliated show, I will continue to add gold stars. But you have to prove to me that you watched my shit and, or listened. It's fine if you just listened, but I need screenshots of it. And then I also have to see that you listen to this here on Nobody is Shiftier, which I guess should kind of go without saying. But I need to see it. I don't believe you. And if you listen to any other Breaking Down the Tape affiliated podcast, if you listen to Breaking Down the Tape, you listen to raw smack if you listen to no bull sports oh just wait till you guys get a hold of breaking down the tailgate you listen to any of that you send it to me you're getting a gold star i will mail it to you i will pay for postage to mail you a gold star do with it what you will i'd put it on my fridge if i were you i think it's a very special gift thank you for listening Until next time, this has been Nobody is Shiftier.